Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I am your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team right here in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. The Texas Beef Council has a new executive vice president. I am Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up. Mexico isn't living up to its end of a water treaty, and it's costing real Grand Valley farmers. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. The versatility of sorghum. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, we'll kick it off with a look at news headlines. The Texas Beef Council has a new executive vice president. Jessica Domel has more. The Texas Beef Council has named the person who will follow in the footsteps of retiring Executive Vice President Richard Wortham. Dr. Molly K. McAdams, president and co-founder of OM3, will step into the role in January. As Executive Vice President, McAdams will be responsible for providing vision and strategic planning for the Beef Council, will ensure TBC's fiscal health, optimize staff recruitment and development, oversee programs, and serve as staff liaison to several committees. Before co-founding OM3, McAdams spent nearly 13 years with HEB, where she eventually became vice president of their own brand and was the corporate health and wellness officer. She has a bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Florida and a doctorate from Texas Tech University. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 2020 has been a very windy year on the Texas High Plains. DeKalb and Delta Pine technical agronomist Robert Bowling says in a normal year, there are high winds in the spring, but they usually settle down somewhat in the summer. That was not the case this year. Usually by June and especially into July, those winds subside and we typically have very light winds in the summer months. The other thing is our overnight winds, whether we're talking any time of the year, our overnight winds, they're very, very light. And uh, this year, the winds persisted day and night through the entire season. And that just compounded all of the other weather issues High Plains farmers faced, such as a cool start to the growing season, exceptionally high summer temperatures, and a very severe wind event on one day back in June. That was a very, very, very memorable day. The results of that storm were, you know, a lot of that that cotton that had come up was completely blown out. A lot of that was just felled out. It came too late to replant, so a lot of folks had to go back with either sorghum or shorter season corn hybrid behind that felled out cotton. That was one of those events that you tend not to forget. 
very easily. One unique problem with that massive wind was plant damage from static electricity. Static electricity is something kind of unique to this area because we, we really have these low relative humidities. So the static electricity is uh, tends to be a big issue when we get those dry conditions and those high winds. DeKalb and Delta Pine technical agronomist Robert Bowling. Mexico isn't living up to its end of a water treaty, and it's costing Rio Grande Valley farmers. Gary Joyner has more on this volatile situation. Irrigation water is the lifeblood for Rio Grande Valley farmers and ranchers. Their water comes from two international reservoirs straddling the border. A good bit of the water for the reservoirs is supposed to come annually from Mexico under terms of a treaty with the U.S. It's not happening so far this year. Mexico has sent less than half of what it owes, and the country is already behind from previous water commitments. Valley farmers and ranchers pay the price for Mexico's water debt. Brian Jones grows cotton, corn, and grain sorghum near McAllen. He says area farmers will have to drastically reduce how much they plant if the reservoirs are not replenished. He estimates valley growers have lost about $200 an acre in the past when irrigation water was short. Some farmers this year have already paid big dollars for high-priced water from the reservoir because supplies of lower-priced water were too low. Delays in water delivery by Mexico are serious. Valley farmers and ranchers need water now. They counted on a commitment being kept. The U.S. government must make sure that water needed by American farmers and ranchers is delivered. Time to make it happen. I'm Gary Joyner, and this is your Texas Agriculture Minute. Sorghum is becoming a more versatile crop thanks to the sorghum checkoff. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at new uses for this Texas crop. Sorghum has long been grown for use as an animal grain feed. But the crop has evolved into a much more widely utilized agricultural product in recent years. The consumer food industry is a growing marketplace for sorghum. Texas is one of the top three sorghum-producing states in the nation. Charles Huddleston is a sorghum farmer in North Texas. He also serves on the United Sorghum Checkoff Board. Huddleston explains the importance of the Sorghum Checkoff Program. But one thing that the sorghum checkoff is doing, promoting use is for sorghum that brings a higher value to the producer. A good bit of that is going to Japan and food-grade sorghum. We're working with other companies in the U.S. promoting sorghum as an ancient grain and in food preparation, working with uh, universities and looking at even bringing them to their food service organizations at the universities because they're looking for sustainable products, and that's one thing that sorghum definitely is, being able to grow with less inputs and less moisture. Currently, Charles, what is the checkoff rate per producer? Okay, the sorghum checkoff's a little different, where corn and wheat and others, they, they charge so much a bushel. Sorghum, when the national checkoff was passed and when we had a revote a few years ago, the checkoff is four-tenths of one percent of the value of the sorghum when it's sold. So low prices, low yields, you're not getting take, as much taken out uh, of your final check or your settlement check. And then, you know, if you have a good year, good prices, the checkoff is going to generate more income because it, the, the value of the crop is more. Years ago, it was 
pretty much uh, utilized as a as a grain feed for for livestock. But sorghum is, certainly has many more uh, uses uh, uh, in in various products today. It it does, and uh, one of the things is China. They'll use a grain sorghum for for alcohol or uh, drinking alcohol called baijiu. That's one of the main drinks in China. I've never tasted it, but uh, it's evidently it's it's the largest produced alcohol in the world and I consume. Of course, that would make sense being in China, but anywhere from uh, going into breakfast cereals now, using it in recipes. And, and being a, a gluten-free, uh, if people have celiac disease, it's something the flour can be used in baking. So there are a number uh, of uses for sorghum. They're expanding the uses, looking for value added. It's being used in dog food, which, again, it brings a, a little more money when it's used in the production of uh, dog food or pet food. So, you know, the, the checkoff is, uh, has some outstanding staff, and they're always looking for ways to uh, increase the value of sorghum. That is North Texas sorghum farmer Charles Huddleston, who is also a member of the United Sorghum Checkoff Program Board. Here in the United States, sorghum can now be found in more than 350 product lines. As Huddleston mentioned, with so many healthy benefits in the grain, consumers are finding creative ways to use sorghum in recipes for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and even snacks. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture has resources available for at-home learning, which can help parents and teachers looking for educational content. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture online resources offer quick and easy ways for children to learn about agriculture. Julia Recco, Foundation Education Outreach Director, says the foundation developed new resources because parents and teachers are looking for ways to provide learning at home during the coronavirus pandemic. We wanted to make sure that we had resources available to them that cover topics in agriculture. Right now, we offer these weekly. We have weekly themes. We've done who is a farmer and apples. And next week, we're going to cover the topic of popcorn. And each week, we try to do something with reading and science, sometimes math or art. Reco says the foundation offers resources for all grade levels. A lot of the foundation's resources focus on elementary learning. We do offer middle and high school suggestions as well. If you go to our at-home learning page, the top has our weekly learning ideas. But if you scroll down, you'll see options for games and lesson plans and videos and things you can print out. And some of those are particularly created for fifth through 12th grade. Through the online resources, kids can ask questions about agriculture. One really fun resource that we have is called Kids Questions About Agriculture, where students through their parent or teacher can submit questions that they have about agriculture. Someone submitted the question, if I plant the seeds for my apple, will I get an apple tree? And you might be surprised at that answer. And we created a video from a real apple farmer to answer that question. So we're getting some really fun and interesting information about agriculture out to folks through these resources. Find the resources online at agfoundation.org. Michael Clements, Washington. Wildlife tax valuation. What is it and who qualifies? I'll have more on Texas Ag today. And if you're going to buy a horse, you need to get a pre-purchase exam from a qualified veterinarian. Our own vet, Dr. Bob Judd, has some horse buying advice coming up next on Texas Ag Today. 
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you're in the market for a horse, you need to be sure to get a pre-purchase exam from a qualified equine veterinarian. Dr. Bob Judd has some horse buying advice. Buying a horse is a major purchase, and even if the horse is given to you, there is no such thing as a free horse. Certainly, the more you pay for the horse, the more important an exam is going to be. But even if the horse is not expensive, you will still need to feed and care for the horse and pay for medical bills. If the new horse has serious health issues, you may be paying a lot for veterinary care to treat the horse, so it is good to know that up front. The basic pre-purchase exam involves a complete physical exam from the nose to the tail and includes examining the eyes, ears, oral cavity, heart and lungs, and the skin. The legs and feet are certainly examined closely by not only looking and feeling, but various tests are performed for lameness. Hoof testers will be applied to check for pain in the hooves. The horse will be walked and trotted both in a straight line and in a circle in both directions. Also, flexion tests will be used to check for lameness in the legs, and this involves flexing the legs by holding them off the ground for a period of time and then watching the horse trot and checking for lameness after stressing the joints. Some horses are also ridden for the veterinarian to watch how the horse moves under saddle. And some clients request x-rays of the feet and legs and a breeding soundness exam if the horse is to be used for breeding. X-rays can become important to find underlying problems and also discover problems that could affect resale in the future. However, there is no pass or fail on the exam, as many people believe. The vet simply gives you their exam findings and the decision to purchase is up to the prospective buyer. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What is wildlife tax valuation and how do you qualify for it? Jessica Domel answers those questions in today's Wildlife Report. In Texas, landowners who meet select requirements are eligible to apply for a wildlife tax valuation on their property. For more on the 1D1 wildlife valuation, we're joined today by Greg Simons, principal and GM of Wildlife Systems and Wildlife Consultants. He's also the president of the Texas Wildlife Association Foundation. It's not an exemption. It's a valuation, meaning that the property owner is not exempt of paying those property taxes. It's simply a matter of their property being based on what would be considered an ag valuation, or in this case, a wildlife valuation, which is basically the the same tax rate, the same tax basis. Back in, in 95, 
our Texas voters approved through Proposition 11, the idea of us having a, a 1D1 open space wildlife valuation that basically works very similar to the way a traditional ag valuation works. But uh, instead of using traditional ag practices to serve as their ag business practice, they use wildlife management use practices. Simply having wildlife like deer on your property doesn't meet the qualifications for the wildlife tax valuation. There's basically seven different wildlife management activities that are part of the entree of different wildlife practices that you must address to qualify for that valuation. And you essentially have to meet at least three For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. It was a mostly down day for the agricultural markets. Cattle futures finishing mostly in the red. The grain market's lower, but Hurricane Delta is keeping the cotton market climbing. We'll take a look at all of the agricultural markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, it was a mostly lower day in our agricultural markets on Monday. To kick off the week, we saw lower prices in most of our cattle contracts, especially in live cattle. October live cattle down $1.52, $108.35. December down $1.77, $110.82. February down a dollar twenty-two at one thirteen oh seven. Feeder cattle mixed mostly on the lower side. October feeders down ninety-five, one thirty-seven thirty. November feeder cattle up to one thirty-five fifty-five. January down thirty-five at one thirty-three sixty-five. Cash-fed cattle trade, of course, on a Monday things are quiet. No sales to report. We wrapped up last week, adding another two to three dollars to the market. We sold cattle in Texas and Kansas at one oh nine. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up a dollar fifteen two fifteen twenty one. Select up a dollar seventy two oh one fifty two. Now let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions over the weekend. Navasota Livestock Auction in Navasota, Texas, selling 1,696 head. The trend was steady to lower. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar to a dollar ninety-five a pound. Three to four weights a dollar to a dollar ninety. Four to five hundred pounders a dollar to a dollar seventy. Five to six weight steers a dollar to a dollar forty-five, with six to seven weights bringing ninety cents to a dollar twenty-five a pound. Slaughter cows range from thirty to fifty-two cents. Slaughter bulls fifty to eighty-one. Stocker cows six hundred to twelve seventy-five a head. Gonzales livestock market in Gonzales, Texas, one thousand two hundred seventy-eight heads sold. The trend steady to lower. 
two to three weight steers, $1.92 to $1.95. Three to four weights, $1.77 to $1.89. Four to five weight steers, $1.41 to $1.75. Five to six weights, $1.25 to $1.38. Six to 700 pound steers, $1.23 to $1.27. With seven to 800 pounders bringing $1.17 to $1.21 a pound. Slaughter cows, 30 to 55 cents. Slaughter bulls, 67 to 76. Stocker cows, 525 to 1,025 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 750 to 1,200 a pair. Now back over to the futures market. Lean hogs closed mix. The October contract continues to climb, though. It was up a nickel, 78.17. The December lean hog contract down 50 cents, 66.62. Class 3 milk futures higher October up 26 cents, 21.17. November milk up 73 at 20.46, 100 weight. The cotton market continuing to climb higher. Hurricane Delta making landfall over the weekend in Louisiana, tearing through that Mid-South cotton crop. Traders still waiting to see what kind of damage that storm caused. December cotton up 73 points, 68.37. March up 76 at 69.18. The grain markets, however, taking a breather. We have seen quite a run-up in the grains over the last couple of weeks. Wheat and corn both finishing lower on Monday, December wheat down five cents, five thirty and a half. New crop July wheat, again we're talking about hard red winter wheat, Kansas City wheat down three and three quarters, five fifty-one a bushel. The corn market lower, December corn down six at three eighty-nine a bushel. In the energy markets, November natural gas up nine cents, two eighty-three. November crude oil down a dollar six. a barrel. And we'll wrap it up with the financials. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 250 points, 28,837. The NASDAQ up 296 at 11,876. The S&P 500 up 57 points, 3,534. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thank you so much. We appreciate you sticking with us. Be sure to catch us right back here tomorrow, where we'll bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.